Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and I'm coming to you live on recording from the beautiful Spurgeon Library on the campus of Midwestern Seminary. And today on the podcast, I want to talk to you about video venues, the phenomenon movement uh, within um, the church landscape uh, of using video recorded preaching in local church gatherings. Uh, This is most commonly found within the multi-site church model, although not always. I know of at least one, maybe two, at least one uh, single location uh, church settings where video preaching is utilized. Um, First, a a few caveats. I do want to distinguish between the multi-site, the multi-site methodology and video venues. Not all multi-site church strategies uh, utilize video recorded preaching. Um, a lot of them do, most, uh, perhaps most of them do, um, but I'm not critiquing the multi-site model. This is a, a different argument. In fact, um, I would say video venues are something that are, that are typically found uh, within, they're a subset of the multi-site methodology. So um, let's you know define our terms here and make sure we're making a good distinction. Uh, the other caveat that I would offer um, is, is this. Some of my best friends are multi-site pastors, are video uh, venue pastors. Uh, they're all, without exception, fantastic, humble, godly men who love Jesus, love the church, love seeing lost people get saved. I am not against them. And in fact, I hope as this um, podcast progresses, you will see that um, while my criticism is strong, um, I want to go on record, at least from the offset, and saying that I'm not arguing that to use video preaching um, is sinful. Uh, I certainly don't want to be dogmatic about this. I just generally think that it's unwise, and I hope um, that I can convince you to believe the same. About six, seven years ago, um, Thabiti Anyabwile wrote a provocative piece on the Gospel Coalition website about the multi-site church movement. He called it multi-site churches are from the devil. Um, and as you can imagine, he got zero emails and comments about um, that <laughs> about that post. Um, no, actually, the his comments uh, really blew up. Um, I would not state it as strongly as, um, you know, Pastor Thabiti, uh, that multi-site churches are from the devil. Within that post, however, this is from September 27, 2011, it's found on his blog on the Gospel Coalition website. Uh, within that rather provocative title, um, he talks about the video venue phenomenon specifically, which is what I want to talk to you about um, as well. But I would reference his post if you can get past, um, you know, the you know sort of inflammatory title, um, because there's some good wisdom there, and I want to sort of piggyback off of um, what he's doing there. And there's also uh, a Nine Marks e-journal that was published. It's the May-June issue of the Nine Marks e-journal of 2009, May-June of 2009, which is all about multi-site and includes some good writing from um, you know practitioners across the spectrum, people defending multi-site, people critiquing multi-site, people in the middle 
and there's some good discussion of video venue, um, the video venue tool within the multi-site phenomenon in that e-journal as well. And I'm going to quote from one of those authors um, in today's podcast. So all the disclaimers, caveats, background out of the way, let me just give you some reasons uh, why I think the video venue tool or methodology um, isn't all that it's cracked up to be, and we ought to um, perhaps consider pumping the brakes a bit on video recorded preaching. Um, The first reason is this. I don't think it's wise, generally speaking, in our consumer culture to go down the path of continued unincarnation. I don't think it's wise, to repeat, in our increasingly consumeristic culture to go down the path of continued unincarnation. Um, now, th- this applies to the so-called virtual church phenomenon in general, right? You hear about Internet campuses, and uh, one fellow in particular now is um, basically just posting Facebook videos of himself in his living room and calling that a church. Um, and so in a day when the idolatry of self and the mass production of beauty and artistry and the disconnection of individuals from each other is is a daily, constant, pernicious struggle, I really don't think the church can afford to unincarnate anything, much less its preaching. And video is, by definition, unincarnational. I don't care if you're on the cutting edge and doing holograms or what have you. Um, the reality is there's not a physical presence there. And some say, look, we're just utilizing technology just like you know you have audio technology and and you know speakers and uh you know uh we go to the church in cars and not in you know horse and buggy we're just going with the times and that's where my sort of pushback begins is to say you know the times aren't necessarily neutral and um technology is an important tool but we need to be wise about the way we use it Marshall McLuhan, who said the medium is the message, right? It's become somewhat cliche today. But I think there's um, a a hard truth in that. The church especially, as it seeks to gather a people, minister to a people, um, practice faithful presence uh, with each other and in the world, um, at least needs to consider what sort of message a video screen preacher, hologram preacher, whatever you want to call it, um, a virtual presence, what kind of message that actually sends um, about the things of God, about um, what we think about the church, etc. I don't think we need to be, um, you know, cavalier about unincarnating anything in the life of the church. So, that's my you know, first sort of pushback. I don't think it's wise in an increasingly consumeristic, disconnected, uh, virtual reality culture to go down this path of unincarnation. The second reason I would offer is this. Um, video venues are not countercultural. Now, this may not strike you as you know, a particular virtue that the, you know, the church being countercultural is all that important, but it's embedded in the very kingdom message that Jesus Christ himself taught, that we are not like the world. 
And a video venue is seeking to co-opt, yes, the perhaps neutral technology of the world, but again, in a way that sends a very uh, with-the-culture kind of message. Now, you can go a lot of ways with this um, you know, kind of thinking. You can take it really overboard and, and swing the pendulum too far the other way. Um, but the kingdom of God is supposed to run counter to the way of the world. So what I see, and admittedly the worst examples of the video venue movement, is just more accommodation of cultural values begun in the modern church's idolization of relevancy that began 20, 30, 40 years or so ago. Um, All churches um, should be seeker-sensitive in the best sense of the phrase, um, by which I mean seeker-comprehensible, seeker-welcoming, hospitable, so on and so forth, invitational. Um, And all churches should be good students of the culture and good workers at contextualization. But there's a line, I think, between contextualizing and accommodating. And I think video venues very often cross that line. At what point do we look at cultural trends not as things to mirror, uh, but to challenge and to subvert? Why are we sort of mindlessly co-opting the values of the culture, assuming that everything the culture produces, every step the culture takes, is value neutral? Um, At what point do we uh, evaluate and seek to challenge and subvert the cultural values of our age? Technology, as some insist, may be neutral, but that does not automatically mean that all technological tools are suitable for uncritical ecclesiological appropriation, meaning we can't just use anything we want in the church without thinking about it. Um, I'm afraid that many churches have moved from, um, quote-unquote, leveraging technology to merely mirroring whatever they think the world finds appealing or slick. Thirdly, uh, video venues can reinforce the kind of pragmatism that has not served the church well (laughs) at any point. This is sort of uh, the major drumbeat of my ministry, um, speaking ministry, writing ministry, um, to the church at large is uh, what Mark Dever calls the uh, threat of pragmatism to the evangelical church today. Uh, I think we're just now seeing the data that's uh, revealing the fruit of the attractional paradigm. The data is not good. Um, Big churches are increasing, but the numbers of Christians are not increasing. Uh, By most accounts, the most churched states in the nation are in danger of uh, soon-coming evangelical uh, wasteland. Even the Bible Belt seems to be eroding um, in its uh, sense of Christendom. And much of the video venue stuff is clearly from the same school of thought as the ecclesiological, methodological trajectory we are now discovering was wrongheaded and, more importantly, um, impotent to grow disciples. Um, The video venue phenomenon, by and large, is sort of an unthinking uh, embrace of a pragmatic methodology that has not served the church well at all. All right, let's take a break at this point and hear from our sponsor, our hosts at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. 
Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. All right, we're back. I'm talking about video venues. Um, hopefully the uh, commercial break there gave you some time to calm down and uh, spell check that the angry email that you're drafting to send me. Um, I read all of your emails. I may not respond to them all, uh, but I do read them all. So feel free to give me some feedback on this. I'm thinking aloud here. Uh, please remember the caveats and disclaimers. I've given you three reasons so far. Um, I think uh, video venues are unwise. And uh, I'll give you a couple of more. Uh, before we close our time together. Uh, the fourth reason I think video venues are un- unwise is is this. I, video preachers, bear with me now, video preachers can't be punched. <laughs> video preachers um, can't be hurt. Um, it, this sounds like a silly point. It's becoming increasingly more critical, I think. Um, this sort of you know, goes hand in hand with my first point about unincarnating um, any aspect of the church gathering. Um, I have some basic objections, obviously, uh, with the message communicated in the use of video preaching. Um, And this may sound like a morbid point to some, and maybe it even sounds like macho posturing uh, to others. But we know that some preachers put themselves in danger when they get up to deliver the Word of God. Um, I don't think that's good. It's not a good thing that a preacher would be in danger when he's physically present. Um, but I do think, let's you know, pause for a second. I do think it's a meaningful reflection of what preaching actually is, right? So take it a, a, a notch down from the, um, you know, a video preacher can't be punched, a video preacher can't be shot. Um, and think about it this way. A preacher serves his community well. When he sees his proclamation of the gospel as standing on the spiritual precipice of heaven and hell before them, um, by doing so live and not by video feed, he incarnates the prophetic call of Scripture, reminding his flock personally of the despair of death and the eternal life of Jesus Christ. This may sound like hyperbole, but bear with me here. This is driven home any time a pastor sweats or cries on his pulpit, right? Just think about it. Jesus didn't send a hologram. <laughs> you know, he showed up, he, he incarnated, he touched his flock, right? So anytime a preacher is, is there to shake hands with his congregation, um, anytime a preacher pauses for laughter in the congregation or pauses for an amen in the congregation, anytime the preacher accommodates or speaks over, like raises his volume because a baby is crying, Um, anytime a preacher receives the repentant and the broken for prayer and counsel, and anytime a preacher is making allowances for the physical presence, making eye contact smiling at particular people in the congregation. I hope to never send a video in place of myself because a video cannot be looked in the eyes and a video can't be punched in the face for proclaiming Jesus. Jesus gave us for hundreds of years the written revelation of redemption through sacrifice and servanthood. 
but he still saw it fit to show up in person to die. All right, fifthly and finally, video venues, I believe, assist the idolization of and over-reliance on preachers. Um, in, in a way, the video venue methodology um, doesn't denigrate um, the preacher, but in a way um, idolizes him or sets him up on a pedestal, which is really interesting. Um, this is something Matt Chandler, uh, himself the pastor of a church using video venues, brought up in that Nine Marks e-journal. Again, this is the May-June 2009 edition of the Nine Marks e-journal. And in Chandler's piece, which is very circumspect as a practitioner of the video venue uh, methodology. He himself is very cautious about it. And he says something in his entry in the journal. He says, 20 years from now, are there 15 preachers in the United States? Um, it's a really good question. And there's a lot of sub points that are brought about through this general point that video venues assist the idolization of and over-reliance on preachers. So for instance, would your church be able to open its satellite campus if the main pastor was not the one doing the preaching? And very often the answer is no. That's why you do the video venue to begin with. It's why you don't put a live preacher in there because you you are um, expecting or suspecting that your main preaching voice is the one that draws the crowd. And so if you wouldn't open your satellite campus with a live preacher because it's not the main voice, um, doesn't that say something important about the viability of your church and where it's centered? Maybe it doesn't, but at least ask the question is what I'm saying. What happens if that preacher gets hit by a bus or has a moral failing? Um, would your church collapse? Do you lose major attendees? Uh, do satellite campuses have to close down? Obviously, this is not just a problem with video venue churches, but really any church that's unhealthily centered on the personality of the pastor. Um, one camp, uh, one one campus megachurch that I attended fired its pastor a long time ago. This was more than 20 years ago. And hundreds of people left. And the vocal uh, leavers largely stated that they were unable to attend a church where the fired pastor wasn't preaching. Um, that says something, that basically their experience of church was this voice from the pulpit. Um, and, you know, obviously the pulpit preaching is important, if not central, especially central to the gathering. But I, I fear that the video venue phenomenon um, sets up an idolization of the preaching voice. What happens in these, um, you know, churches uh, to the men who have preaching gifts? Where do they go to exercise their gift and be blessed by their church family? How do video venues actively develop future pastors and preachers and deploy them in local ministry. I understand that God raises up certain men of unusual anointing to lead in unique and higher profiled ways. Um, I'm not against there being a lead pastor who does most of the preaching in a church, video venue, or otherwise. But what does it say about the gospel if when the rubber meets the road, we minister as if it requires a certain level of homiletical talent to do its work. Like, God can't get done what needs to get done if we don't have this particular person with this particular preaching gift on this particular screen in this particular campus. 
Well, those are just some bullet points. Um, polish off your angry emails. Go ahead and send them. Um, but I hope that this has been received in the spirit with which I've given it. Uh, I don't have this all figured out. I just have some concerns. Um, I would love it, um, not necessarily if everyone who did video preaching shut down um, their practice, but if they got around a table and just asked some really hard questions of themselves. Um, I'm assuming some common ground between all of us, which is that we want the fruitfulness of the church. We want people to come to Jesus. We want Christ to be glorified by all of our practices. You want what I want. And so um, let's just ask some good questions and be more circumspect about the things we do in the advance of the kingdom of God. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends, review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.